But this morning, good news, give it up. We have Pastor Casey who's bringing the word. So give it up for Pastor Casey. Amen. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing? Good, 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 good. I love baptisms too. I think it's just such a great celebration of just life transforming. I'm so proud of you, Christopher. Just like, I mean, this dude started coming out to church two, three months ago, four months ago, however long it is. He's just new to the faith, and he steps right in obedience to say, I'm going to follow Jesus the rest of my life. He gets baptized in water, and he goes and sits down soaking wet. I just love it. He's just going to, if you're uncomfortable, no, he's good. So praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning, guys. Uh, I've got a word that God is stirring in my heart, and uh, we've been in a series uh, called This Is Us. And today's the last Sunday uh, of this series. And uh, I know that many of you have been blessed by the series, just looking at healthy relationships. How many of you guys just have experienced some breakthrough in your life and in your heart and in your spirit, some healing over the last few weeks as we've been in this series? I know that there's been some cool stories that I've heard. Um, and we're going into a series starting next Sunday. Pastor Ben will be back with us. And it's going to be called Above and Beyond. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about this because I just believe that we're at a time as a church that God is wanting and willing and moving in a direction that is going to be above and beyond anything that you can think or imagine. Amen. So I would encourage you to get here as many Sundays as you can in November uh, for the Above and Beyond series. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. And uh, today I get to speak to you. Uh, on um, a message. Last week, Pastor Ben talked a little bit about what it looks like to love those inside of the church in a healthy way. And uh, my message for you this morning is what it looks like to love those outside of the church and uh, what it looks like to love the outsider. And I hope that by the time I'm finished here this morning in a couple hours, um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I hope that you just see my heart and God's heart is that actually when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to God's heart for people, there actually is no outsiders. And uh, you might be here this morning and you're new to church and maybe you've come into this place or maybe you've gone to another church and you've stepped into an environment like this where you feel like you don't belong. Maybe you've come to this place here at this church or another church and you feel a bit like an outsider. Maybe you see people raising their hands and getting baptized in water and celebrating the goodness of God. And you're like, I just don't feel like I belong here. I just want to tell you this morning that that is not God's heart. That God's heart for you, no matter where you're at, no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, is that you do belong. When it comes to his forgiveness, when it comes to his family, when it comes to his grace, you do belong right here. And I believe that God has purposed you and destined you to be here this morning. But the reality is we've all had experiences where we step into an environment or a place uh, where we feel like the outcast, where we feel like we don't belong. I remember this one time about eight years ago, I had uh, joined the ministry of the Gideons International in Canada. How many ever heard of the Gideons International in Canada? Amazing ministry. They give out Bibles in Canada and around the world. They put the Bibles in the hotel drawers, uh, and they're still doing that. They've been around for about 100 years, and I joined the ministry. I became a member uh, so that I could get access to scripture resources so I could give them out. I worked at this car lot, uh, and we were just sharing the gospel with people, loving on people, and what better thing to give them than the Word of God. But within that first year of ministry um, with the Gideons, I was invited to come to a national conference in Ottawa. 
And it was a national conference they held every year. And I showed up at that conference. And um, I was definitely the youngest person in that building for that, that conference that was there. Uh, most of the people that were at that conference are part of the ministry at that time. It's changing now, praise God. There's some young people getting a heart to join and do what the Gideons are doing. But at that time, the average age was probably like 70 years old. And so I was the youngest person in the room. And definitely most people there were old enough to be my grandparents. And if you've ever been to a Gideon's banquet or a Gideon's event, they dress very formal. Uh, they were like the, the guys, you know, 30 years ago that were standing on the street corner in the three-piece suit giving out Bibles. And so I walked into this place. I didn't bring anything formal. I didn't bring anything dressy or anything like that. I showed up with my ripped jeans and uh, my white dress shoes that were like in back then, these white dress shoes. I don't know if you remember those days. They were kind of like Benny Hinn uh, on steroids. And anyway, so I showed up to the banquet on the Saturday night and I had to borrow my friend's dress shirt. He was like 50 pounds, 40 pounds heavier than me. So I had this big baggy dress shirt, ripped jeans and white dress shoes. And I walked into this banquet and I felt like I didn't belong. Nobody said anything. I didn't even think that they gave any looks. I think that they were super excited that a young buck was there. And uh, some young guy decided to show up for this banquet. But I felt out of place. I felt... Like I didn't belong in that situation. I didn't belong with those people. And the reality is all of us at some point in our life have experienced what it feels like to be somewhere where you feel like you don't belong, right? Where you feel like um, you just don't fit in, where you feel like you're an outsider. And the truth is, I believe that when it comes to the father heart of God, this is the last thing that he would ever want for you. It's the last thing that he would ever want for anyone on this planet to ever feel like they don't belong. As a matter of fact, I believe that it's the reason why Jesus came to this earth. Jesus came to come and erase the lines of separation. Jesus came to erase the lines that separated a sinful man from a holy God so that all would belong. And the title of the message that I want to share with you this morning is Erasing the Lines. The Bible tells us that when Jesus hung on the cross in Mark chapter 15, verse 37, it says when he hung on the cross, he cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And it's important that we recognize that the veil of the temple uh, was put in place, which I'm going to talk about in just, it was put in place to separate a holy God from a sinful man. And when that veil was torn in two, God shouted to all of humanity because of the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross, because Jesus gave his life on the cross from that point on for all of humanity, things were going to be different. And it's important to recognize that the veil was actually torn from the top to the bottom. Some historians and uh, scholars say that that veil, this, I don't know if you can see, but this black piece back here is a curtain that we have. It's about 30 feet, 25 feet tall. And history tells us that the veil that was in the temple was about 30 feet tall, 30 feet long. And some historians say that it was four inches thick. It took about 200, 250 men to maneuver that veil into place. And it's important to recognize that only God could remove 
and erase that line. The temple had three major courts in it. I just want to talk about this real quick because it talks about division. It talks about this separation between mankind and each other, man and man, and between man and their creator, God. The outermost court, you got to understand that this temple that was in Jerusalem wasn't just, you know, the church on the corner. Like, this temple was massive. It was huge. It was a monument for that country. And people would travel from all over to come and see this great temple that was built for God's people, the Jews. And the, the first court of this temple was called the outermost court. It was known as the court of the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were people, anybody who wasn't a Jew was called the Gentile. And so the Gentiles could come to the temple of God and they could come and observe and watch what was going on, but they had to hang out in the outer court. There was a line of separation that didn't let them go into the second court. And in the second court, the second court was designed or was was for the Jewish people, for the descendants of Abraham. And the truth is that if a person that was not a Jew or did not follow the requirements of the law, who was uncircumcised or unclean, if they crossed over that line into the second court, the Roman authorities allowed the Jewish people to stone them to death. So if you did manage to cross the line, it would cost you your life. The second court, you had to dress a certain way. You had to look a certain way. You had to act a certain way. You had to follow the Levitical law and the rules. And if you were lame or if you were blind or if you were a leper or if you were a notorious sinner, you couldn't cross that line. And then there is the third court, which is called the Holies of Holies. The third court was for God's dwelling alone. And this is where there was a very thick veil that separated this third court from the second court and separated God really from the first and the second court. See, even if you made it into the second court, you still didn't have direct access to God. Only one priest once a year, the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies to make a sacrifice for God's people. And it was probably only would happen one time in their life. It was blocked by this thick veil that was put in place. And really the reality is it wasn't to keep God away from people. It was to keep people away from God. Because God was holy and people were sinners. And there was this separation between holy God and sinful men. But when Jesus came and he died on the cross, when he shed his blood, this is the veil that the Bible tells us that was, that was torn in two from top to bottom. It was ripped in two from top to bottom. And the reality is at that moment, Jesus made a way for all people, not just some, not just the religious, but for all people to come to God the Father. And it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that he himself, Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. When I read that scripture, I get this picture in my mind and, and I just wrestle with this thought. 
That Jesus, when he went to the cross, he paid the price for the sins of the world. Every person that would ever exist on the planet. Jesus gave his life. He lived a sinless life. And he, he, he was perfect. And he died on the cross and paid the penalty for all mankind's sin. And he deposited his righteousness into this massive bank account. And there are some people that have cashed the check by faith, but there are still a whole bunch of people that have never cashed that check yet and realized that that check says forgiveness, grace, love, eternity, salvation has been paid in full by Jesus Christ for the sins of the world. First Peter chapter three, verse 18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. It's the whole reason Jesus came was to erase the lines that separated us from God. And God's desire is that every person on this planet would be restored to a right relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. How many are you thankful that the Lord was long-suffering towards you? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And I believe this. I believe that the truth is that we will never be able to fully love those that are outside the church until we understand God's heart for every person on this planet. The other week I was reading in Acts chapter 17. And something just jumped out at me that I want to share with you this morning. It was the story where Paul goes to Athens, Greece, and he finds as he's in Athens that there's all these idols, these fake gods that are set up to worship different gods, different idols. And he finds this one God that has this plaque on it says to the unknown God. I was like, these Greeks, they had uh, all of their boundaries covered, all of their opportunities covered. So just in case they got it wrong with all the other ones, it's like, yeah, but we prayed to the unknown God, so hopefully we're good. And Paul sees this, and he sees an opportunity to speak the gospel into these people's lives, recognizing that God wills that none would perish. That even though they were blind and deceived, he's like, I'm going to step out and tell you the truth that you're missing. That is found in Jesus Christ. And in verse 24, it says this, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives life to all, he gives all life, breath, and things. Now listen to this. It says he has made from one blood. He's talking about Adam. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. He has made from Adam every person that has ever existed on this planet was created by God. 
And listen to what he says. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. Not only did God create every person, he gave every person life. Not only did he create every person on the planet, but he actually predetermined their boundaries and their dwellings and the appointed time for which they would be born. Think about that for a second. Jesus says, God says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And no matter what is happening in a person's life, they were created by God for God. Look at this next verse. It says, so that, so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grope, or that word means reach for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So let's just get a summary here. God made every person on the planet that ever existed. And he pre-appointed the the time that you would be born. And he pre-appointed the dwelling, the place in which you would live. And the whole reason he did that, the whole reason he put every person on the planet, not just some, not just the ones that look good on the outside, not just the ones that go to church, not just the ones that are good people, but every person on the planet, he put there so that they might reach for him. And find him, though he's not far from any of us. The father heart of God is for all of his kiddos to come safely home. And the truth is, the only thing that makes you as a Christian an insider, you different than the outsider, the only thing that separates a Christian from a non-Christian is faith. Faith in what Jesus did on the cross is what makes you born again. It's not your good behavior. It's not because you attend a church. It's not because you give your money. It's not because any of those things. But it's faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people come alive. You're not saved by your good works. You're saved by grace through through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus. You're not saved by faith and then kept by your church attendance. The same grace that God extended you to save you is the grace that will sustain you. The same grace that saved you when he reached out to you will empower you to live a life that is pleasing to God. Grace is not just a cover-up for all my bad behavior. Grace actually empowers us to live a life that we could never live in our own strength. It's a gift of God by the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside of the believer because you were once dead and now he makes you alive in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. And yes, when Christ lives on the inside of you, your behavior is going to change. But Christianity is not about behavior modification. It's not a checklist of things that you do to be a good Christian. It's only by faith in Jesus that you are transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit that's within you. 
He says, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Yes, people have all sorts of mental arguments against Jesus. But the reality is, the devil is the one that is confusing. The devil is the one that is robbing. The devil is the one is that is causing people to turn away and reject God. It says, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Imagine if it stopped there. Wouldn't that be horrible if it stopped there? But verse 4 says this, But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united. You were once an outsider. You were once dead. But because of the blood of Jesus, you have been brought in and united with Christ. That's where you say amen. That's a good part to say amen right there. You're united with Christ. I know this seems like I'm reading a lot, but let me tell you, friends, it's the word of God that will transform you. It's not my opinion. It's the word of God that will transform you. So I'm going to preach it straight out of the word and let the word by the grace of God do a work in your heart and my heart. So God can point us to all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. If you knew who I was before I met Jesus... It would be an example to you of God's great grace, of God's great power to reach the unreachable, to touch the untouchable, to do work with someone that was dead and rejecting God, living in sin without a care of God in the world. But by his grace, he reached down into my life. He brought me forth. He did a work in my heart. He did a work in your life. It's not just those that are the wicked sinners. It's every person on this planet that God has a desire to bring alive in Christ. Jesus. God saved you by his grace. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You are a masterpiece. No matter who you are, no matter how messed up you are on the outside, the Bible tells us that you are a masterpiece of the creator. You are the one that he made on purpose for a purpose. And he's created you for good things that he has predestined you to walk in. That is good preaching. I'm just saying. (laughs) Says this, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, don't forget that at one time you were an outsider and the religious people 
looked at your life and judged you. Sometimes my fear is that's what the church is doing today. It's like in here, we got it all together, but out there, man, those guys, you know what's going on in their life? Man, judging people on the outside. When God is looking at the heart and he's drawing people to himself and the reality is just like it says here. It says, you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. Listen, friends, people don't know what they don't know. People don't know what they don't know until they know what they didn't know and then they step into knowing what they didn't know and what they know transforms them into what God has said that he made them to be. And there are people out in the world, there are people that are outsiders that don't know the promises of God, that anybody can come to the Father, that there is forgiveness, that there is grace, that there is a love beyond your imagination that is found in Jesus Christ. They don't know what they don't know. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God. Once you were on the outside. Once you were lost. Once you didn't belong. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. So how do we love the outsider? It's interesting to me, oftentimes when we talk about outreach or evangelism, we look for some sort of formula. Like, give me the script. But you know, the reality is God has given you a very specific, unique personality. And so he doesn't call you to be like somebody else when it comes to loving the outsider. He doesn't call you to be like the evangelist on the street corner when it comes to loving people. Do you know how we love the outsider? The same way Jesus did. And Jesus loved the outsider. Jesus loved the outcast enough to invite them in. Jesus loved them enough to give his life and invite people into a relationship with God. Love unconditionally. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. One time Jesus was at a party and he was hanging out with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. And the religious leaders, they got upset and they complained to Jesus. In Luke chapter 5 verse 30 it says this. They came to Jesus and they said, why do you eat and drink with such scum? I know that's strong language, but I wonder what it would look like in your life or my life if we popped the Christian bubble and began to love people that were outside. What would it look like if we actually had some friends that we could be accused of hanging out with scum? This year, earlier on this year, I got ordained for one specific reason. Because I wanted to have an outreach that reaches out to non-Christian couples. And so I started a ministry to reach out to non-Christian couples. My whole target audience is people that don't go to church in hopes that I can share Jesus with them. Marriage is God-ordained. Love is to be celebrated by God. 
And so people reach out to me, and there's this one couple that I went and met, and they were both on their fourth marriage. They were both on their fourth marriage, and uh, you know, I started to ask them. I just love hearing people's story. And so I asked them, what's your story? How did you guys meet? They met online. They were both in a relationship, in a marriage when they met. And they started to have, uh, what do I say? They start having sex. And they're having a relationship. They're both married. His, his partner let him have as many partners as he wanted. It was an open relationship. And she, she left her husband and, and they got together and they decided to get married. And we're sitting there, I'm having, I'm asking him questions. How'd you guys meet? Uh, what was the engagement like? And he stops me, he says, well, hold on a second here. I know you're a pastor. And, and, and to be honest with you, I identify as bisexual. I'm like, okay. And he's like, is that going to be a problem for you? I'm like, well, that's a great question. Let me pray about it. And he said, you know what? I respect that answer. You know, friends, I invited him into the story of Jesus. And we sat there for the next 45 minutes talking about the gospel. And talking about how much God loves them. So much so that he gave his life. No matter what their outside is looking like. No matter what is going on in their life. They are welcomed into the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ. That, that, that God loved them in spite of what's going on in their life. You know at one point he got up and he went to the washroom. And she was sitting there with me. And she says you know he, uh, he made a decision to be with me. He wanted both of our marriages, our relationship, our our new relationship, our marriage to be open. So we could have as many partners as we want. But I told him I didn't want that. If he's going to marry me, he's going to marry me and be with me and that's it. And she said, he decided that because of his love for me, he, he was giving up the lie that he would be satisfied in that lifestyle of being open to as many partners as he wants. And in that moment, The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that is the gospel right there. And I said, do you know what? That's exactly like Jesus. She's like, what do you mean? I said, we decide that because of our love, we step into a relationship with Jesus. That because of his love for us, we can find complete fulfillment. And we give up the lie that sin is going to satisfy us. That anything but God is going to satisfy us. We turn from that sin and we step into this relationship with God through faith. Because only in a relationship with Jesus will you be satisfied. And she was like, man, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. And it just... Open up an opportunity. She's like, can we come to church? Can we, I'd love to go where you go for church. I'd love to hear more about this. And and then he comes back and he says, listen, can we still be friends? I'm like, absolutely. Because Jesus was the model. And Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus healed a blind man on the Sabbath which was a religious no-no. Jesus hung out with sinners and gluttons. He forgave the woman that was caught in adultery. He didn't judge her. He forgave her. He taught us to love our enemies. He forgave the sinful woman who washed his feet with her tears. He stopped and made time for Zacchaeus, a tax collector. He forgave the thief on the cross. And when he himself was nailed to the cross, giving up his life, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
They don't know what they don't know until they know what they know. And Jesus loved the outsider enough to invite them in. He was constantly including people that religion left out. He was constantly erasing the lines that religion drew. How do we love the outsider? We love them enough to invite them in where they're at. And friends, that's what I love about Alpha. Alpha is a safe place for people to come in and ask the questions that they're asking, battling through. I remember uh, last semester for Alpha, we went to the Alpha Holy Spirit weekend. And there's like 30 people that showed up and we watched a couple of videos about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in the life of a believer. And there's this couple that I was sitting with and he had never been to church in his life, but he was coming to Alpha because of basketball. James was in charge of getting this basketball thing going in the gyms. And he went to Alpha with James and he was coming back to Alpha with his wife. He was brand new to the faith. He had all sorts of crazy questions. He was totally unchurched. And the moment that the Holy Spirit session happened, uh, where we started to pray for God to do work in our lives, everybody stood up and started to worship. And he sat next to me and he's like, uh, what the heck's going on? I'm like, you've, you've never seen worship before? It's like, no. So what are these people doing? So everyone's standing there with their hands worshiping Jesus. And he's sitting there with his arms folded, sitting at the chair. I'm like, well, don't feel like you need to participate, bro. He's like, what, what, what are they doing? I'm like, it's just an expression of a love that we have for God because of the goodness that he's done in our lives. And just like a child lifts his hands to his father, we're doing the same thing in this moment. But I said, you know what? I'm proud of you. And he's like, why? I said, because you're here. And you might feel like you don't fit in. But you're not making a beeline for the door. Because the truth is, friends, we're all on a journey. And love accepts people and makes room for people to be where they're at on the journey that God has them on. Trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work in people's hearts and people's lives. The only reason he created them is so that they might reach for him and find him. And we should reflect the same heart of the Father towards people that don't yet know Jesus, no matter what their lifestyle is, no matter what they look like, no matter what is going on. That's what Light the Night is all about. I've got a table outside here, and Curtis and Christina are there to help you guys if you want to do it. But it's all about inviting people into your life, inviting people into your neighborhood so that you can meet them, so that you can share with them the love of Jesus, so that you can reach them right where they're at. This is why I love this church. Because we create a space, no matter who you are, that the first word in our vision is belong. Loving all people to Jesus. Why? Because this is a place that you can belong before you believe. It's okay. We don't need to convert anybody. None can come to the Father unless He draws them. And the very fact that you're here is evidence to me, whether you recognize it or you don't, that God the Father is at work in your heart and in your spirit, and you're on a journey, and He's working it out in your life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, But God showed... His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, gave his life for the sins of the world. 
Before we ever did anything good, Jesus laid his life down and he erased the lines that separated us from God. It doesn't mean, friends, that you need to give people the rubber stamp of approval on their lifestyle. It doesn't mean that you need to, you know, believe everything that they believe that is right or whatever. You can be a Christian and be in the world and be not of the world. You can love people and disagree. You can love people and journey with them in life. The other day I was driving, it was last Sunday, I was driving up to the airport Sunday morning and I was listening to the radio and I heard a a short snippet of an interview between Amy Grant and Lauren Daigle. How many of you know who Amy Grant is? She's a Christian artist from like a while ago, 80s, 90s. And Lauren Daigle is like the hardest, the hottest Christian artist that's out there on, on, on the charts. She's just blowing it up and she's reaching Christians and non-Christians. Her music is awesome. And Amy was giving Lauren some advice on how to be successful in this world of music in this industry. And she said, you know, I think it's important that you recognize that there are good people, people with good intentions, and there are people with bad intentions. And she goes, it's important that you surround yourself with people that you trust that have good intentions, even if you don't agree with them on everything. And Lauren says, she's like, well, that's, that's interesting you say that because I've just recently been thinking like, how do I partner with somebody in a project if they don't agree with everything that I agree in? And Amy Grant said this, she said, you know what? You just have to trust that given time, by God's grace, people will change. And she said, everyone wants to be loved. And I can't explain to you what happened in that moment. But when she said that, everyone wants to be loved. In my car, God just flooded, he flooded my heart with this love that he has for people. No matter who they are. No matter what sort of lifestyle they're living. No matter what is going on on the outside. They are welcome inside to the heart of God. And we love the outsider by inviting them inside and shouting to the world that you are, you are welcome, that you belong here in the heart of God, that you belong if you're divorced, that you belong if you're an addict, that you belong if you're a narcissist and you think the world revolves around you, you belong. That you belong if you're an outcast of society, you belong, Jesus made a way. That you belong if you're trapped and living in sin, you belong, Jesus made a way. That if you don't even believe yet, you still belong. Because he created you so that you might reach for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. What would it look like, church, if we lived our life like this? where Jesus was the model that we follow, where he lived an invitational lifestyle, 
where he engaged people where they were at, where he loved people no matter what was going on on the outside of them. And friends, I'm not just talking about church on Sunday morning. I'm talking about your life. I don't know about you, but I've had many conversations with Christians and I asked them, who are you reaching out into your life? And they're like, I don't even know anybody who's not a Christian. I grew up in church. I hang out with Christians in high school and through university. I've got a small group. It's all Christians at our small group. You might even work for a Christian employer. You go to church on Sunday And who do you know that doesn't yet know Jesus? That's on a journey towards him. Who are you walking beside? And I would just challenge you to pray and ask the Lord who in your life he's calling you to reach out to. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. And just love them. Just love them. Don't Just love them. And if you're here this morning, And you don't yet know Jesus. Maybe you're on a journey. And you're in this place and you have felt like you don't belong. Maybe you're here and you've never experienced the forgiveness that God offers his children, that he offers us through faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I'm going to ask right now that all of you just bow your head and close your eyes. And those of you that are believers, I want you to pray for the people that are about to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've been to church many times and you've still got arguments or you've still got questions or you've still got things going on on the outside or in your mind and you're saying, I'm not quite sure if I can make the leap of faith that it takes to become a Christian. I want to tell you, friends, today's the day of salvation. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have your life cleaned up. You just need to come to him by faith. And so if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never faith or put, placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you right now to put your hand up. I want to pray for you. So I'm looking to my left. If that's you and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, place your faith and your trust and go ahead and lift your hand right now. Just I'm scanning the room from my left. God bless you, bro. Anybody else? Looking right in the middle, if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, experience the forgiveness that is found. God bless you. Looking to my right, if you're here and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, become a Christian today, experience forgiveness, go ahead and lift your hand up right now. God bless you at the back there. Up in the balcony, if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, today's the day. Go ahead, lift your hand up. Still looking in the balcony, if that's you. Praise God. I'm going to ask you, friend, if you put your hand up, everybody else.